0: Hello and a very warm welcome to everyone to the first episode of Kopi Talk, a series of conversations by Maine in Singapore Network, and we will be talking about the progress of gender equality in the workplace. We really hope that this will be a series of discussions where we cover topics each month that are top of mind for women who are in various stages of their careers in whatever careers they have chosen. So a little bit of background about Lean In. Lean In is a global movement based on the book titled Lean In, Women, Work, and the Will to Lead by Sheryl Sandberg, who is the COO of Facebook. Our goal really is to help women achieve their ambitions and create a more equal world. And we are now in 184 countries organized into networks of circles. Circles are really just small groups of women who gather regularly, and we share resources, provide support, and accountability for one another. The Singapore Network was formed in 2016, and we now have more than 2,000 members, and we are comprised of both women and men who come from all ages, backgrounds, and professions. So today, the topic that we want to discuss is mentorship. And there are three questions that we get asked the most when we talk about mentorship number one, what is mentorship? Why do I need it? And what does a mentoring relationship look like exactly? And to that end, I want to introduce everybody to our guest for today. This is Tess McKean, who is the CEO of Talent Trust.
1: Hi, Christina. Lovely to be here.
0: Great. So glad to have you here. And I think that it will be very obvious to our listeners why you are really one of the best people to talk about mentorship based on the work that you do Uh, the work that you do with Talent Trust. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Sure, thank you. So Talent Trust is a registered charity here in Singapore, and essentially it's entirely focused on mentorship. Um, So we provide peer-to-peer mentorship between um, senior business people, executives, and the leaders of local nonprofits. Uh, So the objective is to use that mentorship to help the nonprofit leader build their capacity, um, have, I guess, a a panel of experts who can provide insights and guidance and expertise around how they could potentially grow their organization, I guess, in a more business-focused way. So it is entirely predicated on the success of mentoring relationships.
0: Great. And one of the things that I, uh, that really resonated with me when I looked at the mission of the organization is that you talk about skills-based volunteering. Mm -hmm. Okay, so talk to us a little bit more about that.
1: Sure. So I think when most people Think about volunteering. It's that maybe more traditional, should we call it, service-based volunteering, where you read to kids or you go and haul boxes around a food delivery um, warehouse. Um, And I guess, in a way, it's the kind of volunteering that literally anyone could partake in, which is great because, it means it's open to all. Mm. But when you have very little time to volunteer, which I think a lot of people who are working (laughs) full-time... you know, managing families, balancing a lot of different things, um, you don't have vast amounts of time to volunteer and you want that time to be as effective as possible. So skills-based volunteering is using your expertise and specific business skills to help drive a charity towards better growth. Yeah, and you've mentioned that um, really the foundation,
0: uh, foundational value of Talent Trust is that mentorship is what will make the difference in terms of making a... a, a nonprofit succeed. So let's get into that a little bit. So what has mentorship meant to you either from uh, professional contexts or personally?
1: It's a really great question and I I was thinking about it a lot on the way over here. For me mentorship started at a really young age in a very very informal way and it's almost um you know when I think about my first ever mentors I think about my role models within my family. So I've got um a cousin and his mother, my aunt, who have always been very um driven and passionate about the nonprofit sector. And I think as a young child, I asked them a lot of questions. They provided a lot of insights that really helped to shape my vision for myself in the future. Um, so from that very early age for me, mentorship was <clears throat> having someone who is far better experienced than me. Yeah answering my questions and and providing guidance and insights. And that really is how mentorship has shown up for me as an adult. It's not been something I've necessarily proactively sought, but as I've been open and honest about my interests and my vulnerabilities and my challenges, people who have been willing to listen have stepped forward and offered me incredibly invaluable and sage insights and advice based on the benefit of their experience. I think it's
0: interesting that you say that because I think I started out in a similar way in that I, when I was a late teen, probably around 15 or 16 years old, was when I had the first exposure to um, an older lady who... Uh, was a lecturer in social work, but she had very sort of defined, very well-informed opinions about social justice. And I think that that really laid down a foundation for me in terms of thinking about the world in a different way. And that the more that I had contact with her, and it wasn't um, a relationship that had any labels of mentor-mentee, it really was just a relationship where I began to learn from her. I got to see her perspective and she got to speak into my life in terms of shaping my thoughts. Mm. And I think that that's, it's very similar to what you're yeah. talking about as well. So how does that then, uh, how does that then, um, translate into a professional context for you? Cause you said you had not proactively sought out like a, like a labeled or traditional, um, sense of mentoring, but how does that play out in your professional life?
1: Mm. Yeah. I, I agree. I think that formal mental label this might be a controversial thing to say, but can sometimes be the death of a great mentoring dynamic. Um, I, yeah, I was lucky enough that when I started this job, um, and when I started this job, I was deeply underqualified and under experienced. Um, Let's be very honest. Yeah, with, yeah our own experience. <laughs> so, so you super honest. And I think, um, and I, I suspect this is something we will continue to talk about because vulnerability really is, one of the keys to to mentoring for me um but I was very open and vulnerable about my challenges and so the people who were um actually two of the people who had interviewed me for, for my role I think noticed my passion um and that it was the passion in them that resonated with me and sparked and ignited my passion um and saw that there was potential there but that needed a bit of direction and shaping. And I think they both stepped forward proactively in quite informal ways. So one would say, you know, sounds like you've had a tough week. Should we go and grab a drink? And actually that mentoring dynamic really was shaped around more informal conversations that turned more and more formal as we got to know each other better. And they could place a bit more structure, I guess, around the topics that we were discussing. And as we would meet more regularly, there would be themes that pulled over from week to week. Um, But it wasn't that I ever thought to myself, oh, I really need to go and find a mentor. I think I just was open with people who I thought could help Mm -hmm. about what I needed help with. I think that that actually
0: uh, rings true with sort of the the, with the formal definition of mentorship really is a relationship that is formed with a focus on growth. So that happened Mm -hmm. for you. Through the repeated um, building of the relationship, the mm-hmm. exposures that you had to these people, the exchange of advice who are guiding you, um, even if it's not uh, structured in the beginning, it had turned into something that was beneficial for your growth, if Absolutely. I'm hearing correctly. Yeah. yeah. So what would you say to somebody who is maybe mildly skeptical about why they would need a
1: mentor? I think it has to be an organic thing and you have to know that you need help. And you have to be open to receiving that help. Um, I think when most of us leave university, no one ever says to you, by the way, this is what the business world is gonna be like. Here is what your first job role should look like. You just kind of go through and stumble and find your way. Um, So I think, you know, as you get a bit further into your career, you start realizing what you don't know. And that is the time for me to start thinking about, okay, there's someone who knows more than me who can provide some insight and guidance that will make things that little bit easier. Um, And actually, it doesn't have to be someone who is, you know, you don't have to start off with the CEO of the organization. You can start with someone who's literally a few years ahead of you and can say, oh, yeah, when I did your role, this is what I found super helpful. Um so it doesn't have to be this big formal get the big name in your organization, get the most senior person in your organization. Just start with someone who knows a bit more than you and ask them for honest help and advice. Yeah, um, I think something that you said
0: just now was is really important is that we don't know what we don't know. No. Right? And until we ask and or until someone points it out to us, there is very little that we can do to open up those doors for ourselves. Mm. And I think that, you know. There's definitely been enough research to show that this kind of a relationship is one of the key drivers of success. So one of the things that we found is that women feel more supported when they have mentors. They find more satisfaction from their jobs, et cetera, et cetera. And these are things that actually keep us in our careers.
1: Yeah. I think women have a natural tendency to seek a very organic connection. And sometimes putting a mentor label on it can make it feel a bit inauthentic or maybe a bit forced if you're seeing it as as almost an application process type piece of work. Um, what I think you see a lot of women thrive on is that natural spark of connection. And so a really nice way to start approaching mentorship is to, you know, identify a couple of people that you see succeeding, thriving in their roles, maybe ask them a few questions about how they got to where they were. And if you find that one of those women, one of these people, if you're talking to a man, um, If you find you have that natural chemistry and spark there, it seems much more likely that a natural mentorship will start to unfold. And in that sense, I think women can find mentorship dynamics that are much more authentic to them.
0: A relationship like like that. So a useful thing for everyone to know is that the leanin.org website actually has a lot of open source information. So there's a great deal of resources on the website that's available for anyone um, about a a really broad range of topics, everything from unconscious bias to um, statistics about, um, you know, the intersectionality um, that women face um, when it comes to obstacles in their careers, etc. And one of the things that um, I found to be really useful is an article called Four Tips All Mentors and Mentees Should Know. So I really want to unpack these four ideas um, and talk about how that plays out both in your life, Tess, mm-hmm. and mine as well. And these are perspectives that are meant for both people who are interested in getting a mentor or those who are considering becoming a mentor, because I think that that's just as important to call out as well, uh-huh. um, is that a lot of women don't realize that, hey, you are so well-equipped to become a mentor. You have so much to offer, and you don't need to be a senior leader in your company before you are ready to become a mentor. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about that a little bit. So I'm going to go through these four tips and let's discuss it. Okay, so tip number one is consider the timing. So what I mean by that is for people who are considering becoming mentors, it really is just a matter of finding someone who is coming up behind you to mentor. It's as simple as that. There's no age requirement. There's no seniority requirement. And it really is never too early.
1: it's so much less intimidating to have someone who's just a couple of steps ahead of you give you some advice. And there's so much more commonality as well, because I mean, I'm not sure about you, Christina, but if you ask me what was going on in my career 10, 15 years ago, I probably really struggle to remember some key aspects. Um, but if you ask me what I was doing kind of five years ago, I may have something interesting to say. And you know, there is so much more of a gulf between somebody who is at chief exec level and someone who is at entry level. So I think it's it's actively a better way to begin to find somebody who is just, you know, if you're looking at mentoring a couple of steps below, we all see people on a daily basis in their roles who might be slightly struggling and you think, Oh, I should just I should just let them know about this and yes. that will be really, really helpful. Absolutely. Um if we start looking for more of those opportunities, especially with people that we have a personal rapport with, then again you can get a really nice natural Mentoring dynamic going, but it's it's funny what you say about people feeling underqualified. I'm staggered on a day to day basis at Talent Trust with how many women in particular who are very senior who say to me, "I just don't know what I've got to give." You know, I really don't know if if I've got anything of value to share with with non profits, and these are people who are objectively very experienced. And I'm always amazed at our ability to undervalue our own skills. Yeah, they feel that weight of expectation that they have to almost practically teach someone. Actually, it doesn't need to be an overly thought out thing. It can just be, you look like you're struggling a bit, let me share some advice. That's a great way to get started.
0: If you are somebody who is looking for someone to give you guidance, possibly the worst thing to do is to rock up to the most senior person in your company, man or woman, who doesn't know your name, who you have really no natural interaction with that you've never met before, and ask, will you be my mentor? Because the
1: answer is most likely no. Why is that? Well, because the question is why? Why do you want me to mentor you? And if the only answer to that is, oh, because you're senior and I want it as a badge of honor I think that that's how it could appear you know it's it's, well you just want my name I think that there is something to be said about cultivating
0: the relationship you may very well meet somebody who is very senior uh, who may end up taking an interest in you I think the point here is don't open with will you be my mentor open with something slightly less intimidating and structured open with something that will help you to build a bit more synergy you may not actually want this person as your mentor because you don't actually know them that well. Yeah. So there is this dance of let's figure out whether or not this is right for mm-hmm. both of us. And let's see if this will be mutually beneficial. Mm-hmm. I think that actually leads well into the second tip, which is respect their energy. And by there, it, you know, when you're talking to mentors, respect the mentee's energy and the mentee to respect the mentor's energy. And I think it's important also for us to point out the fact that mentoring someone takes time Mm. and effort and energy and that it is an investment in
1: someone else's success. We have to ensure that there is a dynamic match there. So when we match our potential incoming mentors to the charity um, organizations, we don't just focus on the skills match necessarily. We look at personality match. We look at... um, The dynamic between the different mentors, because we use panels of mentors, which Mm. brings in a whole other dynamic, Yeah, um, because then you've got an entire team of people focusing their energy on the mentee. It really does take time, respect, but vast amounts of energy to, to get a really constructive relationship undergoing.
0: Yeah. And I think that from the mentee's part, understanding this exact dynamic is important, because I think that there is something to be said about... Um, someone investing in you, right? It is a valuable process, right? And you need to treat it in a way that shows that you respect the fact that they're making this commitment Mm -hmm. to you. I think that um, oftentimes what is not intuitive is that you need to use that person's time in a strategic way. For instance, be prepared. So when you come to a meeting with a mentor, or some someone that you're cultivating this relationship with, Don't have the expectation that it's a chit chat, you know, come to them with an idea um, that you want to develop further with a problem that you have that you want their perspective on something that you want their input on, etc. I think it's when um, people see that you come to them with very much a lot of forethought and a lot of preparation that they feel like, oh, my time is being respected and that they understand that I'm making this commitment to them. Um, so they want to maximize that as much as possible.
1: Mm-hmm. And communicate, communicate, communicate and do that in the build-up to kicking off any kind of dynamic because some mentors may be comfortable with more of a chit chat dynamic, but make sure that you are matching yourself with someone who wants to do that and make sure there's a matching of expectations.
0: Mm-hmm. The, the story I always tell is that at one of my first jobs, um, this was in my early twenties. I was assigned a mentor um, as mm-hmm. a just. This is how they functioned in mm-hmm. terms of HR. You you begin your job. You are assigned to teams, and then you're assigned to uh, a particular mentor. And I didn't know what to do with it. No one has ever taught me what I am supposed to do with a mentor. I just thought I show up and just listen, and mm-hmm. you know, let her tell me you what you to dynamic. do. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, she's so senior. The woman that I was assigned to was so senior. Um And I didn't know what to do. I would walk in with nothing. Um And she would say, well, what would you like to talk about today? And I'm like, whatever you want to talk about is fine with me. And I think that she had to um clue me in really as to uh, how this was going to be beneficial for me. And in order to make that um, work to my benefit, I really needed to come with a little bit more expectations. Mm. Even if it really is just, Hey, let's try and become friends. I didn't have anything um, Mm. in my back pocket when it came to that. (laughs) So that informed how I approached, um, my own mentees as well. I think that, um, I really, same thing as you, I really wanted to become friends with them. Mm. You know, I really wanted it to be, um, not just solving whatever problems or questions that they brought to me, but really like Hey, you know, as you move through this season of your life, what does you know? What do your goals look like? How do they change? You know, what are sort of the um, different directions that you might want to consider taking, especially for someone who's quite young and don't have yeah. like a very set path ahead of them? It's actually uh, really quite wonderful to be an observer and to be a um, advice giver in mm-hmm. their lives because mm-hmm. it uh, is beneficial for the mentor
1: as well. And I think that that's a, an important point to make, right? Yeah. Absolutely. That that kind of intimacy that comes quite naturally in the end in, in a mentoring dynamic is incredible. And that, But we do also bring in people who are slightly more junior in their careers. And actually, the mentoring that we see happen from the younger guys to some of the older guys, bringing in completely different, fresh perspectives. Some of the most rewarding and dynamic conversations that happen are when perhaps somebody who's been In their career for a long time, even potentially a little bit Mm institutionalised, starts opening up about their own challenges at work, and actually there's a fresh perspective that the mentee can bring um, that can actually sometimes unlock some really interesting potentials and solutions for the mentee for the mentor as well. Reverse mentoring is a is a massively, I think, under discussed part of this. Um, There is vast benefit for the mentor as well.
0: Yeah, I really uh want to explore that um uh, that particular thing that basically uh we've been dancing around which is the <laughs> idea that like it's a relationship right what you're looking to do is to develop a relationship and i think that this rolls really well into tip number 3 which is to embrace feedback there isn't uh any sort of foundation to this relationship if advice or feedback is not given or if it is not taken seriously, mm. um, because what is this thing that we're doing if we are not giving honest input and if we're not willing to accept hard um, advice? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, tell us a little bit about how you've seen that play out because it's this is the nitty gritty of what you know, beyond the pleasantries of meeting one another and I like you and you like me and let's spend time, et cetera, et cetera. This is where sort of the rubber meets the road, especially in a professional context. Right. So let's talk a little bit about feedback. Sure.
1: Right. I think um, it's the toughest part of the dynamic, for sure. And you're right. We, we do dance around it a lot. Um and it's actually one of the crucial reasons why you never want someone to just approach you and say, will you be my mentor from a, um, from a standing start? Because what that implies is <clears throat> for me, somebody wants, I guess, the CEO to essentially validate all of their opinions and they're not looking for feedback. They're looking for a rubber stamp. Um, at their junior level in their career and to say well so and so who's very senior agrees with me if that is the kind of relationship you're trying to forge through mentorship it ain't going to go very far um mentoring has to start or menteeship has to start from a place of openness vulnerability willingness to learn why else are you talking to someone senior if you already think you have the answers and you're not open to feedback
0: So let's move on to talk about the fourth tip, which is to personalize the mentorship process. Um, And I think one of the best tips that this article gives is that we don't stop at mentoring. We sponsor. And I want to make that really clear for those who are listening. I think the process uh, of moving from mentoring to sponsoring someone involves a process of advocacy. Okay. So instead of, um, keeping the relationship sort of between the two of you, you take it out, you take it out into, um, uh, the workplace where you maybe will suggest, you know, your mentee for opportunities. You introduce them to your own personal network. You, um, put them forward for certain things. It may not just be for a job, or for a promotion, or to be staffed on a project. But there's other ways that someone can sponsor. And I think that that is when you move from um, mentorship to sponsorship. So let's talk about that a little bit.
1: Advocacy is exactly the word that I would use for it, because you essentially almost become an ambassador for that person. Um, By benefit of your experience, you tend to be moving in slightly more influential circles. You may have friends who are that much more senior in their businesses, um, and you are then naturally able to recommend them as a you know as someone that you know intimately. And again, you know, once you've just advocacy as opposed to sponsorship, or advocacy as a form of sponsorship, I think opens that up a lot because there's no necessarily structured way to advocate for someone. It's it's a constant, ongoing state. Sponsorship for me, I think, oh God, okay, I need to. Introduce them to someone at this company. I need to get them a job. I need to put some, I don't know, money or funding behind one of the projects that they're doing. That can feel quite intimidating, I think. Whereas thinking of sponsorship as a broader advocacy piece, you know, introduce them to a friend of yours that you think they might have a really great dynamic conversation with. Helping them to spark their creative side in business is a really great way to get started with that. I mean, what what are some of the kind of great sponsorships that you've had over the years that you felt have made the biggest impact on your life? I think exactly
0: what you just said. Having someone say, hey, I have a great person for you to talk to. I feel like every connection that has come from that sentence has made a world of difference in my life. Mm. Even if it's not immediately obvious in my professional life, The fact that someone thinks highly enough of you to say, I have a valued relationship that you can benefit from and I would like you to have that as well. To me, that is the ultimate form of endorsement. Mm -hmm. So it isn't, here is a job opening. I know the hiring manager. Why don't I submit your CV? That might be the most obvious thing that comes to people's minds in terms Mm -hmm. of sponsorship or advocacy. But I think there is something to be said about someone vouching for you enough that they would want to share um, a personal connection or um, an idea with you even. So even if it's as we gain experience and influence and wider social networks and all of these really benefits mm-hmm. of becoming um, someone who's more senior in our professions, we have access to things that Younger women simply don't, or women who uh, don't look or speak like us mm. or who don't have the same education level and I think that there is a real opportunity to lift others. I think that that is
1: you know you you have to be able to remember back to the challenges and the struggles that you overcame and try and make that easier for the next generation of women to overcome. Um,
0: well, Tess, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I feel like I have learned a lot. Um, I really hope that our listeners have taken away some things that really will help them um, either in the process of becoming a mentor or looking for a mentor themselves, or if they're already in a mentoring relationship, how to make that a little bit better. So to wrap up, um, we want to give some final thoughts. Mentorship really is relational Mm -hmm. um, and not transactional, Mm -hmm. and that the building of trust really is needed in order for people to be vulnerable, to speak honestly about their challenges, to seek out advice and to accept criticism and feedback. And also, I think we want to encourage people to think outside the box. We've talked a little bit about um, mentors who are not from your exact industry, who are of various ages, um, backgrounds, et cetera, and also to consider male mentors. I think that that's something that might not be intuitive for um, a lot of women, but to really consider the benefits that come from um, having a different perspective, which is always a good thing. It is possible that mentoring relationship will last only for a fixed season and that that is okay yeah
1: that doesn't mean it's a failure I think sometimes some of the most successful mentoring relationships are ones that are focused on a specific period of time um, you may then as a mentee grow in confidence so massively that you don't necessarily need advice to get through that stage and then later in life you find someone that can guide you through that next season It is
0: possible that someone will say no to you if you wanted a more formalized relationship, Mm -hmm. and that is okay as well. I think that the goal is to take these lessons that we've laid out and some of these tips and
1: strategies, really consider these things, Mm -hmm. and then to try again. Yeah, and that no may not be forever. It may be a no for now. Um, And actually, getting the no can be a really important lesson in terms of how to get yourself the yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Hope you will join us next time. Um, this
0: has been Kobe Talk, which is a series of conversations by Lean in Singapore Network, and we hopefully will see you again next time.